It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 6th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Philip, or follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On tonight's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Magic's loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Mohamed Bamba injury, of course, and who will step up to replace him. No trade deadline thoughts today. I know everyone's excited for that, but we'll get to that tomorrow when I unveil my trade uh, my trade value rankings, uh, which will also be a post on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, hopefully late Wednesday, if not, then early Thursday. The trade deadline is already here. We already have our first big deal of the trade deadline, the Los Angeles Clippers sending Tobias Harris and Boban Marjanovic to the Philadelphia 76ers for a package that includes Landry Shamit, Mike Muscala, and a future first-round pick coming from the Miami Heat, actually, as the Clippers appear to be clearing some cap room to, to go after big free agents this summer, and the Sixers appear to be going all-in on their chances to win the championship this year and, and win the Eastern Conference this year as Philadelphia has kind of been really up and down all year. So we'll get to see Tobias Harris at least one more time, I believe, this season. But... The, the trade deadline, obviously, still more than 24 hours away, coming up Thursday at 3 o'clock. And the Locked On, Fantasy, Locked On Basketball Podcast Network, or the Locked On Podcast Network, has you completely covered and getting you ready for the NBA trade deadline. The Locked On Podcast Network is going live for the first time with an NBA trade deadline special this Thursday at 1.30 Eastern Time, live on YouTube on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball channel. Hosted by David Locke and fantasy expert Josh Lloyd, plus... All the local experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, me included if something does go down, will be there to break down all the deals, give fantasy's perspective and all the local angles, giving you all the insight on what has happened, what didn't happen, what could happen, and what will happen. It all starts Thursday at 1.30 Eastern Time, 90 minutes before the trade deadline on YouTube at the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Channel. 
definitely check that out. I'm going to be watching even when I'm not guesting, uh, if I am guesting. And we'll see what comes down. The Locked On Podcast Network, remember, it's your team every day. But we're going to start today with the Orlando Magic game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a big battle between the Magic and the Thunder, as this is Orlando's last game before the trade deadline. Uh, Very realistic, very possibly, and potentially, this is the last time this team will be together as it is currently constructed. Or it won't be. Who knows? You know, the things change and, and things don't change. And the trade deadline is both weird for the excitement of the potential for change and the reality that very little actually does happen despite all the excitement and anticipation for it. But Orlando still had a chance to get a win. Orlando still had a chance to go down to Oklahoma City and get some measure of redemption for what was, in a lot of ways, a poor effort against them last time around. In a game that Orlando really did have a chance to win and, and kind of blew. Unlike that game, Orlando was in control for most of this one through the first half. Their offense was free-flowing. The ball was moving. They were attacking the glass while they were still giving up a ton of fouls and a ton of free throws because Oklahoma City was seemingly getting every call and Orlando just couldn't stay out of their own way. The Magic were able to keep pace with the Thunder. That was never going to last, but Orlando was, you know, felt like they had control of the game and they built as much as a 12-point lead. But, as you might guess... They did not let that last. They did not keep that up. The same kind of problems that did the Magic in the last time, although not as obliquely or not as perhaps alarmingly, did them in again. It was really a shortened stretch of the game where Oklahoma City went on an 11-0 run in the third quarter that gave them the cushion and the lead that they needed to win this thing. The rest of the game after that run was really played in a 6-10 to point margin, and Orlando never could make up ground. Their defense never got itself straightened out. The defense never was able to get stops consistently. The Magic weren't able to hit shots consistently in that, in that second half, really. Uh, and their ball movement kind of went to crap. It, 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 didn't, it didn't work out as well. Give credit to Oklahoma City for tightening up their defense. They are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Give Oklahoma City credit for forcing turnovers, 18 of them in this game, and getting out in transition. That's what they do. And, you know... Blame the Magic for giving into frustration. There were a lot of frustration fouls, a lot of frustration, just moments of disbelief, and those are the moments that Oklahoma City takes advantage of. The moments where you 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 know you shake your head or look at the ref, that's a moment that Russell Westbrook is running by you. Paul George is running by you. Terrence Ferguson is running by you. Steven Adams even is running by you. That, that's the kind of game that Oklahoma City wants to play, and Orlando fell directly into that trap in that third quarter especially. Their discipline was great through the first half, and really, even after that, after they giving up that run as they were trying to get back in the game, you know there were moments of frustration for sure, but Orlando really played Oklahoma City even. This game was really determined in a, about a three-minute stretch where Oklahoma City just zoomed past them. It, it, it just felt very sudden. Orlando simply just made too many mistakes. The turnovers, the poor ball movement, the shooting, the shots that just wouldn't go in. Oklahoma City had the answers for them because you look at some of the, some of the ways Orlando played them, they did good things. Paul George scored 39, but made just 9 of 26 shooting. He was 3 for 11 inside the arc. The issue was they gave up 15 of 16 free throws to Paul George. Russell Westbrook had just 16 points on 5 for 14 shooting, but 15 rebounds, 16 assists. They did force 7 turnovers against him, and Paul George actually turned over the ball 5 times. 12 of the Thunder's 17 turnovers came from that. So, it wasn't a complete loss, I don't think. Orlando, I mean, it was a loss, but... 
Orlando didn't, to me, didn't play poorly. They had some poor stretches and their margin for error is so small against elite teams like the Thunder or good teams like the Thunder that that's enough for them to lose these kinds of games. If Orlando would have played like they did on Tuesday night against Miami, against, you know, Atlanta for sure, you know, against a team that's kind of on the Magic's level, they would have had a very good chance to win. They probably would have won because their offense was just killer for most of the night. But again, it's those little stretches, those little stretches of time where the Magic lose focus, where the Magic don't do what they know they need to do to win games, uh, where they don't move the ball, where they kind of give in to that frustration. Again, it's 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 something they've had to break and something they've had to learn that hasn't quite taken complete hold this season. When those happen, Orlando simply fell apart and just didn't have the horses to keep up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So a difficult loss, a frustrating loss. Oklahoma City scoring more than 30 points in each of the four quarters. The Magic's defense just could never reel them in, could never control them, and their offense just isn't good enough to sustain much of anything. I mean, the Thunder outscored the Magic 70-53 to in the third quarter, or in the second half. That's just tough to come back from. You can't be giving up 70 points in a quarter. You're not going to score 60. I mean, the Magic scored 69 It was their, in the first half. That was their most for a half this season. They also gave up 132, which is the most they've given up all year as well. So the Oklahoma City Thunder defeat the Orlando Magic 132-122, to uh, a game that, again, was not short on effort. The Magic tried very hard, almost too hard at times, just couldn't execute appropriately against a strong Oklahoma City defense, gave in to frustration, and the Thunder were able to dictate the pace of play and dominate the game in that way. So the Orlando Magic falls to 22-32 and with Miami's win on Thursday, on Tuesday night. The Magic now four games out of the final playoff spot. No more games until the trade deadline on Thursday. So Orlando with some big questions to ask, ask themselves moving forward. And of course, one of them having to do with the injury that was announced on Tuesday. We'll get to that in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But let's go through the final box score real fast. Some interesting performances to note. Aaron Gordon, uh, the first place to start a really, I've said this before, Aaron Gordon's passing continues to impress me on a daily basis. I think he's really developed well in that area. I think that's a big part of growth of his game and really a sign of the potential that he has and continues to show and why, you know, every time I hear a trade rumor about him, I take it as a compliment because that means he has value. That means he is a good player that other teams want and the Magic have him. Magic hold the keys to him and he's only, in my opinion, only going to get better. It's very clear how much better he's going to get. Um, You know, he hasn't developed maybe the way that a lot of fans thought he would develop this year. But he has taken some very serious steps forward. I'm very pleased and happy with how he played. I thought his defense was solid throughout the night. Um, you know, he did foul out in this game. It was, it was a tricky game with the fouls because uh, there's a lot of fouls given out, given away there. But I thought Aaron Gordon was, was very solid throughout the night. He finished with 18 points, career-high 10 assists, 6 rebounds, 6 for 11 shooting, only made 1 of 5 three-pointers, which means he was 5 of 6 on two-pointers. Um, what's really important to note about Aaron Gordon here uh, and got to the line for 9 free-throw attempts for 5 of 9. When Aaron Gordon was aggressive in attacking the basket, he was really, really good. And I think, 
you know, the, the big struggle with Aaron Gordon in this game was he just kind of fell into a lot of the traps that he tends to fall into uh, when he's trying to do too much, uh, you know, I think. I think that he settles for mid-range jumpers a little too much, and, and that's even when he's playing well. Uh, and, and, and in this game, he was just so effective getting to the basket. You wanted to see when he had a, a player like Steven Adams isolated on him that he'd try and take him to the basket. Instead, it's dribble around for five seconds and then take a contested mid-range shoot. That's the kind of part, that's the part of Gordon's game he needs to get rid of. And Oklahoma City keyed in, on, keyed in on this. They did a good job forcing him into mistakes, especially in the second half. He had eight turnovers in the game. He, I think he missed both of his shots. He didn't score a field goal in the second half after a really strong first half. And so this is, again, as well as Gordon's played, as, as more complete as he looks, he's still going through a lot of growing pains. He's still developing. He's still a really young player. And so I think that that we're still seeing some of these growing pains. And this was a game where, uh, in one half, he looked like a world beater. He looked like one of the best players on the floor. He looked like he could, you know, really take over the game. And in the next, he still looks like he's a young player trying to find his way. And, you know, maybe four years into his career, he shouldn't be at that level. But got to remind yourself, he's only 23. He's still got a lot of room to grow. He's still got a lot, a lot more he can get better at. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm still really encouraged with the game that Gordon had. I thought he still played very, very well. One guy who did struggle a little bit uh, was Nikola Vucevic, though. 17 points. Nine rebounds, five assists, eight for 18 shooting. That sounds like a typical Vucevic stat line. He did have four turnovers. Orlando struggled with turnovers in the game with 18 total. Um, But that feels like a typical Nikola Vucevic stat line in a a bad game for the team, honestly. But Vucevic continues to just struggle to step up when the team needs him most. The offense was really struggling throughout the second half. uh, And the Magic were trying to get back into into the game and into the lead. And... They turned to Vucevic to kind of be that anchor offensively, and, and that's what an all-star is supposed to do. And, you know, I, I, I have seen some criticism on my analysis of Nikola Vucevic saying saying that, you know, the Magic are asking too much of him. And I agree completely. The Magic are asking too much of him. But the bottom line is Nikola Vucevic as an all-star, as the team leader of this team, and I think he would agree with this, he's put up numbers. We know what kind of numbers he puts up. You know, a 17-9-5 game is below average for him, to be frank. You know, we expect 20, 21, 22, 12, and 6. Or 20, you know, we, his, he's averaging 20, 12, and 4. So a, a 17, 9, 5 game like this is below average for him. And it's especially below average because the team didn't get the win. At the end of the day, Vucevic, and I think he would agree with this, wants to be judged on wins and losses. And so the magic in winning time, in crunch time, and, and you know, you know me, I don't like to to put an, a special focus on crunch time, but Orlando in that moment needed some stability, and and that's what Vucevic is supposed to provide more than anything else, is just the safety valve, the stability. You get him the ball, and good things will happen. So when he's turning the ball over, I think he had two turnovers in the fourth quarter. When he's missing all of his shots, he was zero for four. That's an impediment, and, and Vucevic. Doesn't seem like the most emotional guy, but he does get emotional on the court. You could see his frustration throughout the fourth quarter. And again, Oklahoma City took advantage of that. They take advantage of your little lapses and focus. So if you can't execute, if you can't get over that stuff, they're going to beat you. And and that's exactly what happened. And so, you know, Vucevic is a good leader. I, I think that he's done a lot of stuff. I, I don't expect him to get traded. And it's not for any of the reasons that, that I think he shouldn't get traded. 
it's probably because the Magic aren't going to find a deal that they like for him. Uh, I don't think there's a huge market for Nikola Vucevic at the trade deadline. We'll see what the market's like in free agency. I, I, I Honestly, I do anticipate the Magic are going to try and re-sign him this summer. But this is a big next step for Vucevic in his career. He's got to be able to close games. He's got to be that reliable finisher until the Magic finds someone else that can do it better and kind of re- re- release that safety valve on him. But until then, he is the safety valve, and, and we got to judge him on that. So, so a frustrating end to the game for him. Evan Fournier, though, had a really nice offensive game. 25 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 for 7 from beyond the arc, 8 for 16 from the floor. Magic need this from Evan Fournier more often. The, the difference between the Magic you know, scoring 100 points or sub-100 points is often Evan Fournier. And, and scoring 120, I mean, it, it, obviously he's, he had 25 points, so literally in this game it was that difference. But... You know, just just the rhythm and spacing that Fournier gives you when he's making shots like he was uh, within the offense on Tuesday night are a huge difference for this team. And so having Fournier playing that well uh, on the offensive end is absolutely critical. This Oklahoma City matchup, though, has been really, really tough on him. They put him on Russell Westbrook. He struggled a little bit with that. Put him on Paul George. He really struggled with that, eventually fouling out of the game. Again, a lot of touch fouls on Paul George. Fournier was, was doing his best not to get his hands involved. Uh, but ultimately he would, and, and, and Paul George took advantage of all that, and the refs were calling every single thing. You got to adjust, you got to move on. But Fournier really still struggles the most with getting through screens. And Clifford said after the game, you know, really what's supposed to happen is no one is supposed to run into a screen. There's supposed to be no contact. The, the big is supposed to communicate where the screen's coming from. The guard is supposed to know how to get around it. And no doubt, one of Fournier's biggest struggles is getting around screens. Uh, he's not a natural defender. He's not, I mean, I'd say he's a better defender than we probably give him credit for, but he shouldn't be a lockdown defender. He's not going to be a lockdown defender against your Russell Westbrooks, against your Paul Georges, against your all-star caliber players, and, and the Magic have had to ask him to do that. I, I don't know why they're not ready to give Jonathan Isaac that responsibility. I certainly am. I think that, that Isaac's earned that and is playing particularly well right now. He had 14 points, four rebounds. 6 for 12 shooting in this game. Another solid effort from Jonathan Isaac as he's really come into his own. But Fournier shouldn't be the one having that responsibility and playing that role quite quite as much. You watch it over and over again. He runs directly into the screen. So unless the Magic are going to switch that, it it puts the, it puts Vucevic on an island. And I think, honestly, uh, you know, Vucevic isn't the best defender in the world. He is a better defender than we give him credit for. And I think a lot of the reason why Vucevic struggled so much defensively is because over the last few years, Alfred Payton, Evan Fournier, Victor Oladipo, they all really struggled navigating screens, and that left Vucevic on an island, and that's exactly what has to change. That's exactly what Fournier needs to work on next as a defender, uh, is to, to get around these screens a little cleaner and, and recover a little faster, and he really struggled with that, and that enabled Oklahoma City to get downhill and really cause some havoc in the paint. Other scorer to note, Terrence Ross, 26 points, 8 for 18, shooting 5 for 13 from me on the arc, 5 rebounds for him, 3 steals as well. A very happy birthday for him. He, he shot the ball extraordinarily well. Uh, not extraordinarily well, but but pretty well. Um, made some made some big shots, helped Orlando stake that lead in the second quarter. So, uh, again, another really solid effort from Terrence Ross. If that's his last game in a Magic uniform, it was a good one. Uh, but I'm sure his birthday wish is that he gets to stay in Orlando because I think he likes it here, and I know the fans like him. So, um, hoping that we get to talk more Terrence Ross Coming up in the future, I know that would make Locked On Raptors, Sean Woodley, very, very, very happy. Once again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 132-122. to 
They give up 50% shooting to the Thunder, 13 for 30 from beyond the arc, 27 for 37 from the foul line. Russell Westbrook with a seven straight triple-double, 16 points, four, uh, 15 rebounds, 16 assists, seven turnovers as well. Paul George, 39 points for him. Dennis Schroeder comes off the bench to score 20, and the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder win 132-122. to 122. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like I said, we won't talk about the trade deadline on today's episode, or at least any more than than we have, or I have a small deadline thought coming up. We'll talk about that more on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic when I do my trade value column. Um, I've been doing that every year, modeled after Bill Simmons' column. Uh, so you'll have that to look forward to on your trade dead for your trade deadline reading um, before stuff starts happening. Uh, but um, there was a bit of news that that does need to be addressed here on the podcast. The Orlando Magic announced that Muhammad Bamba will be out indefinitely after being diagnosed with a stress fracture in his left tibia, his left leg, essentially. Uh, it. Bamba has been dealing with a sore foot since January. The Magic uh, sat him down for four games um, to let it let it heal. It seemed to be doing okay, but then again, Saturday, Bamba was, was declared out again with the sore foot. They did some x-rays, they did some tests, and determined that it was a more serious injury. Jeff Weltman, the Orlando Magic's president of basketball operations, said in a press release that it appears that the doctors caught it early. Uh, so it didn't get worse, and he will not require surgery. There's no timetable for his return. It depends on how he responds to treatment and physical therapy. So it looks it looks like, uh, and the way that his absence is being described is for a significant time. What that means, I don't know. But I think it's safe to say that we can expect Bamba to be out for the next six weeks, and that probably takes us all the way, it certainly takes us all the way into April, uh, and so you wouldn't expect him back until the very end of the season, if at all. And if the Magic are in the playoff race, that probably means they're in good rhythm. That would probably mean that Bomba's season, it's not over, but he's probably not going to rejoin the rotation uh, if, if he's able to come back. Maybe he will. Um, it depends, again, how he looks when he comes back from injury, how quickly he can get back into rhythm. If this is the way Bamba's season ends, it's disappointing in that he was clearly making some progress and clearly looking better and clearly uh, getting back, getting into a better rhythm overall. Um, I, I think that there were some heightened expectations for Bamba that were a little unfair to him, but overall, I thought he had a very solid rookie season. He got his feet wet. He showed that, yeah, yeah definitely he needs to increase his physicality, but he could play in the NBA. And I think, honestly... My expectations for rookies are extremely low. My goal, the number one thing I want to see from a rookie of any level is that you can play at the NBA level. And I think Bamba showed that. For the season so far, he's averaging 6.2 points per game, 5 rebounds per game, and 1.4 blocks per game in 16.3 minutes per game. He shot 30% from 3, which was actually ticking back up. He was sub-30 for a very long time. So he's shown that he has an aptitude to shoot from the outside, and that's something that he'll continue to develop. 
His offensive game was extremely raw. And yeah, his offensive impact was was probably negligible, if that. Defensively, Bamba's impact wasn't as immediately as, as immediate as we all thought it might be. Yes, the shot blocking was impressive. 1.4 blocks per game is in the top 20 in the league in blocks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, and he was a monster on the on the glass. When he got confidence, when he saw a shot he could swat, he would swat it. So that's a good sign for him. That's a good sign for the Magic that that natu- natural aptitude to block is there. But he definitely showed that he needs to have a better understanding of how to read defenses, uh, or how to read offenses, make his reads defensively, and, and continue to grow there. And again, I, I think we were seeing that growth. I think, uh, like I said on yesterday's podcast, uh, Steve Clifford said, the big thing with, with Mo Bamba is that he gets better as the season progresses, that, that he continues to look better, look more comfortable. And, you know, again, I feel like he did. I feel like he took those steps forward and, and indeed looked a lot more comfortable on the floor with each passing game. Certainly had stretches where he looked really good. And honestly, I thought he was in the middle of one right now. So... A lot of Bomba's growth and development will come in the offseason. And of course, it's disappointing that he won't be able to finish his rookie season uh, and continue to get that experience that he needs. But certainly, we expect a big offseason from Mo Bamba. You want him to be healthy, fully healed, so he can do that work in the gym that he has to do, both on the court and in the weight room. And then we'll see where he's at during summer league. So uh, it's disappointing that he's done for this, for, that he might be done for the season again. There's, there's the hope. That, that he'll be back probably in late March, early April, I, I would bet. But again, there's no timetable for his return quite yet. That does leave open the door, though, for Ken Birch. Ken Birch has been a fan favorite since he burst onto the scene last year toward the end of the year. Finally getting his opportunity, he showed that he is a great shot blocker, that he is a solid defender, that he doesn't play outside of himself, and while he doesn't provide anything offensively outside of dunks and rolls, he is a smart defender uh, probably the best screen setter on the team. And so, if Orlando's going to stay in the playoff race, they have a very capable backup center still. They have a guy who can get the job done. If there's one area the Magic did have some depth, it was at center. Because Vucevic, obviously an all-star now. Bamba, a promising young rookie who's slowly gained confidence. And, and, and you know, honestly, there are probably moments that Birch should have been playing over Bamba over the course of the season, and then Birch, a guy who clearly knows what he's doing out on the floor and, and is just hungry to take advantage of whatever opportunity he's given. The Magic have played well with Birch on the floor. Their defensive rating with Birch on the floor is in the is at 101, I believe. And so overall, the Magic have a guy here who can step in and provide the energy, the defense, and just the, the smart play to spring others free and take care of business. Birch is a really good player. Consistency still is issue, and, and, and when he's bad, he's bad. He's really bad. But when he's good, like he's been, for the most part, when he's gotten regular minutes, he makes a big difference defensively for whatever lineup he's in. That was the case certainly on Tuesday, where despite a pretty meager stat line, Birch was one of only three players on the team with a positive plus-minus, and he had the largest plus-minus of any player on the team. Take that stat for what you will, but it does suggest that when he was on the floor, the Magic were playing better. And since everyone else was a negative, Birch was a big part of the Magic finding any little bit of success. When you go to something that a lot of the team was talking about 
uh, about Birch was this thing called screen assist. A screen assist is essentially when you set a screen, does it free up someone to score? And Birch has played, not played a lot of minutes, certainly not a lot of minutes per game. And so, was, you know, stats don't look amazing. 1.9 screen assists per game for 4.3 screen assist, point, screen assist points per game in his limited minutes. But in the last two games, so both Tuesday and Saturday, Birch has recorded 3.5 screen assists per game. And that's led to 8.5 points off screen assists. During the five-game stretch that Birch played when Bamba was hurt in January, he had three screen assists per game and 7.2 points from screen assists per game. Bamba, or Birch, certainly frees guys up to score in a way that, you know, really only Nikola Vucevic does, and, and Vucevic does it on volume. Birch is right there with him. And so Orlando is going to use a lot of pick and rolls with Birch because Birch is, as many on the team said, the best screen setter on the team. He is big, he's wide, he's strong, he knows how to finish a screen. It's it's a little thing, it's not something that you really can quantify statistically, but he does it really, really well. And so the Magic are in good hands with Birch as the backup center now. Their defense is going to stay consistent, he's not going to demand a lot offensively, He's going to roll hard, and he's going to set really good screens. And that's going to give the Magic all they need to to kind of stay the course. And so it sucks that Bamba's out. It really does, because Bamba has a ton more potential than Birch and and is clearly a big part of the team and, and what they ultimately want to build. But Birch will do, Birch will be fine, and the Magic won't see much change with Birch in there instead of Bamba. And so the race continues on. The, the attempt to make the playoffs continues on. And, and of course, the match need to get everyone that they can now as the trade deadline comes up and passes and the race to the finish line begins. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be back tomorrow with the trade value column uh, as we rank the assets that the Magic have at the trade deadline. Remember, the trade deadline is Thursday at 3 p.m. The Locked on NBA Trade deadline special will be on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball YouTube page at 1.30 on Thursday. Be sure to check that out. And of course, be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.